Do you ever wonder if we're living in the end times? In Dr. Jeremiah's new book, Where Do We Go From Here? He examines what Bible prophecy reveals about 10 phenomena happening in our world today. Order your copy this month, and if you give $75 or more, you'll also receive Dr. Jeremiah's entire teaching series on CD or DVD, correlating study guide, and his interview special on DVD. Order now at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. If it seems as though temptation is everywhere in today's world, remember this, so is God. And His Word is packed with guidance to help you stand strong. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his look at temptation and shares more biblical tools for banishing this giant from the promised land of your life. With the conclusion of his message, Slaying the Giant of Temptation, here's David. And thank you for joining us. By the way, during this series, we are pointing you to the key scriptures that deal with these subjects, and we have uh, found a way to make that a permanent uh, investment in your life by putting these verses on scripture cards. We have 12 full-color cards. They're bookmark size, and they fit in your Bible or in the book you're reading. And each of these has the giant at the top, and then on the back, there are the six key verses in the Bible that you should memorize if you struggle with this particular giant. You can have these cards by just asking for them. There's no there's no cost. We want to give them to you, and all you have to do is request them. And you can make your request uh, on the phone, uh, through the internet, in the mail. We're just waiting to hear from you, and as soon as we get your request, we'll slip these into an envelope and send them to your home or to the address you give us. It's another way to take this this series and and take it further than just the radio or the book. Take it into your own life. Make it a part of your daily experience. I hope you will do that. Well, we had a good start uh, talking about this subject of temptation yesterday. Uh, we'll go back to our passages in Corinthians and Hebrews and James and other places in the New Testament. This is Slaying the Giant of Temptation, Part 2. One of the things I've been learning as I get older is that temptation is not so much a matter of what we don't do. It is really a matter of who we do love. And when we come to know the Lord Jesus and we cultivate within our hearts a relationship with him of intimacy and desire and worship and adoration, and he is the strong, heroic image in our heart, that in itself will keep us from many faults and many sins. When Jesus Christ is not just a word in our vocabulary, but he is the person who lives within us and we meet with him every day and we have an intimate relationship with him. My friend, it's hard to walk out of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in his word in the morning and go out and yield immediately to temptation. It's hard to give in to temptation in the evening hours when you know that the first thing you're going to do in the morning is open the book and get into the Word and to fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Yes, the heroic person of Jesus Christ is part of the way of escape. He is there for us to aid us and to help us. But I must say another word about this way of escape. I think one of the things Paul's talking about here is the fact that in every temptation we ever face... There is always a point somewhere in the process where we know 
we can get out. Somewhere in the process where the voice in our heart or in our head says, this is wrong, don't do this. And at that moment, we have a brief opportunity to walk through the door of escape and be rescued from the temptation. But often if we walk past that opportunity, it is too late for us to get out at a different time. The word escape here in the book of 1 Corinthians is an interesting word. It is a Greek word that was sometimes used of the very narrow passage people would use to get out of a canyon. I don't know if you've ever been in some of the canyons, even out here in California, but sometimes there's narrow files that take you into different passageways. And the way of escape was looked at as a little way out of the canyon. That's the picture that Paul is painting in this text. He's saying sometimes when you're walking through the valley of temptation, for just a moment you see the way out. And if you take that way, you can be victorious. And some of you have testified to that. You're in a situation you know you ought not to be in. Maybe it's a relationship with a member of the other sex. And maybe you know that relationship is wrong. Perhaps it's because you're already married, and perhaps they are too. And maybe the friendship has gone a little bit further than it should. And all of a sudden, one day, something happens in your heart, and you know right then this is wrong, and it's going in the wrong direction. My friend, that's the way of escape, and you better get out right then. Because the way of escape may not come again. It may not be there for you again if you don't take the way of escape when the Lord provides it. But I am confident that in every temptation that I've ever faced, that you have ever faced, there's always been a moment of time when there was an opportunity to walk away. But if you don't walk away, then temptation can gain control. Well, these are the things that the Word of God says in this wonderful passage that most of us memorized in high school. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So how do we deal with temptation? Let me just give you some practical thoughts from the rest of the New Testament to go along with this central passage. Just six or seven things real quickly for you to write down. Number one, recognize the possibility of temptation in your own life. Recognize it. You see, one of the things that happens to us, one of the reasons we get tempted and we fall prey to temptation is we don't think it can happen to us. One of the things I hear constantly from people who get into trouble is they'll say something like, you know, I just cannot believe this happened to me. Why not? Why not you? Listen to what Paul says just before verse 13. In verse 12 he says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. One of the most tragic things that can happen to you is to get a cockiness about you, a pride about you, an arrogance about you that says, This can't happen to me. My friend, the worst thing that can ever happen to anyone can happen to anyone if we don't watch out for the enemy. I remember hearing a story about a young priest who was serving in the confessional booth for the first time and he was being watched over by an older priest. At the end of the day, the older priest took the young man aside and he said to him, son, he said, when a person finishes confession, you have got to say something other than wow. Isn't it interesting? We're not usually surprised when other people 
fall into sin or temptation, but it surprises us when we do. And here is one of the most important lessons, my friend. When you begin to get arrogant and proud, you set yourself up as a major candidate for failure in temptation. My good friend, Howard Hendricks, who was my professor at Dallas Seminary, used to carry a little notebook around in his pocket. He's told me about this several times, and I've heard him talk about it in front of crowds. In that little notebook were the names of ministers and students that he'd had at the seminary who had been in the ministry and had fallen into sexual temptation and had failed and were no longer in the ministry. He said at one time he had over a hundred names on that list. And he said one day as he was looking through the list, the thought crossed his mind, is there anything all these people have in common? What is the one common thing about all the people on the list? And he said he thought back through the list, he knew all these people, and he said with the exception of two, two people on the list, the one thing they all had in common was a spirit of pride and arrogance in their life. What is it the Word of God says? It says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. One of the first things you can do when you're trying to figure out if you're a prime candidate for temptation is just ask yourself, ask your wife, honey, do I have a haughty spirit? And if she'll tell you the truth, she'll be a great help to you. Notice number two, request help in advance of temptation. This is a very interesting thought. Most of the time, we don't get much help in the midst of temptation. We have to get it in advance of temptation. There are two passages in the New Testament that tell us to pray about temptation. The first one's in the Lord's Prayer, where the Lord taught his disciples to pray, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the second one is in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, where we're told to watch and pray, lest we enter into temptation. What that means is that we ought to begin our day, Lord God, make me sensitive to the potential pitfalls on my walk with you today. Give me an awareness and a sensitivity so that as I walk through this day, when temptation begins to approach, I will be sensitive to it and I will know what to do. If you don't do that, you'll get in the midst of it and you'll be without recourse. But if you begin to pray ahead of time, Lord God, protect me. Don't lead me in a path where temptation can get me. That's another good point to help you to be a victor in facing the giant of temptation. Then number three, the Bible says we're to resist the devil and he will flee from us. There are lots of ways we can resist the devil. And the Bible says when we submit ourselves to God and we resist the devil, the devil will flee from us. If you remember the Lord's encounter with Satan in the wilderness, he gave old Satan the word of God. And I always laugh at this because all he gave him was Deuteronomy. The only passages he gave him were Deuteronomy passages. And so the Lord Jesus gave Satan Deuteronomy. And at the end of the passage, it says, and he departed from him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit to God and resist the devil and he won't have power over you in temptation. And then number four, and I want to take just a moment to talk about this. You need to learn how to retreat from certain kinds of temptation. Now, it's one thing to stand up against temptation, but it's another thing to retreat from temptation. And there are three kinds of sin in the New Testament that we're told to run away from. I used to think there were just two, but I found a third one. Three kinds of sin we're to run away from. The cynical Mark Twain once said, there are several good protections against temptation, 
but the surest is cowardice. He says, be a coward when it comes to temptation. Run. First of all, we're to retreat from idolatry. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. That's right here in this passage we're studying. What does that mean? We don't usually bow down to idols. We don't have idol shelves in our house. But an idol is anything that gets between you and God. And you may know what, I mean, I could go through a whole list of things that I know can sometimes be idols to us. And the Bible says that when you begin to realize that something is taking the place of God in your life, you need to flee from that. Get away from it as far as you can. Don't let anything become an idol in your life. Secondly, it says we're to flee immorality. Twice in the New Testament, we're told that. In 1 Corinthians six eighteen, it says, flee sexual immorality. In 2 Timothy two twenty two, it says, flee youthful lusts. What is this all about? There's something very uniquely special about sexual temptation. That if you think you can stay in the midst of that situation and be victorious, you're just fooling yourself. Nobody can. What God is telling us through the word of God and what Paul is instructing us through his letters is this. That when you find yourself in a situation where the temptation to be immoral is present, you need to get out of that situation as fast as you can. And the illustration that is often used is from the 39th chapter of Genesis in the Old Testament, where Joseph found himself under the pressure of Potiphar's wife. And the scripture tells us in Genesis 39 that one day she had everyone dismissed from the house and Joseph was left alone in the house. And she came in and took hold of his coat and said, lie with me. She propositioned him. And the Bible says that Joseph turned and he ran out of the house, leaving his coat in her hands. It was the only way he could get free from the temptation. Someone said the best equipment for running away from sexual temptation is the best pair of Adidas that money can buy. And I think there's some real value in us just talking for a moment about this, especially young people. When you live in an environment, when you put yourself in a situation where that temptation is always there, you are ultimately going to fail. So you need to flee from it. The last thing that we're to flee from, which is kind of interesting, and I hadn't noticed this before I studied this passage, is we're to flee from any kind of greed. Notice what it says in 1 Timothy 6, 10, and 11. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things. We're not to allow our lives to be taken up with the pursuit of material things. That itself can become a kind of an idolatry. And then number five, I want you to notice that if we're going to be victorious over temptation, we have to remove any means of sin far from us. I remember reading the story of an overweight man who finally got the courage to go on the long dreaded diet. He even went so far as to change the way he drove to work every day so that he would not have to pass his favorite bakery. And he was doing well for about a week. And then he showed up at work one day with a dozen donuts and a cheesecake. And his fellow employees could not comprehend what had happened because he had been doing so well. 
When they asked him what had happened, he said, well, I drove my former route to work today and I decided that if God wanted me to stop at the bakery, he would give me a parking space right in front of the main entrance. And you know, he said he did just that on the eighth trip around the block. (laughs) Now here's a guy who's not real serious about staying on his diet or being victorious over temptation. You know, the Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Romans 13, 14. Proverbs 4, 14 and 15 says, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. (laughs) That's really strong, isn't it? Instead of setting ourselves up for failure, in other words, let's set ourselves up for victory. Let's don't put ourselves in a position where we're automatically going to feel the full force of the pressure of the temptation. Remove the means of sin far from you. Then replace bad influences with good ones. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And I don't want to tell you who your friend should be. That's none of my business. But I want to just warn you this way. It's wonderful to have friends in the world that we're trying to win to Christ, but every once in a while we need to take a little check and say, are they pulling me more in their direction or am I bringing them toward God? Sometimes you can get in a situation where friends have a kind of a power over you and if you're not careful, you look up and they've had a strong influence in your life away from the things of the Lord. Before you know it, they're starting to encourage you to skip church and go to the desert with them and all this kind of stuff. And you know that this isn't what God wants. And let me just say to you, if that starts to happen and you become aware of it, you are just falling into the pattern where the enemy can get to you. You need to ask God to give you strong influences in your life. You ought to try to be around as many people as you can who when you leave their presence, they make you want to do better for Almighty God. You feel in your heart it was good to be with them and they've set an example and they've raised the standard and I'm encouraged by my relationship with them. You need to replace bad influences with good ones. And then number seven, and this is the end of the list, you need to resolve to live on the high road. That's really important. That's really important. I believe that every Christian has made a choice, whether knowingly or not, as to where they're going to live out their Christian life. A lot of you know the Lord, you know you're saved, you know you're on your way to heaven. But when it comes to really being sold out for God and really living for the Lord, you just decided you don't really want to live up there. You're okay down here. And let me tell you something, the pitfalls on the low road are far more treacherous. I've already told you that when you walk close to the Lord, you'll be tempted. But if you determine just to live a convenient sort of Christian life, just to be kind of inside the door, you've got a pass in your pocket that keeps you out of hell and that's just about all you care about. My friend, you are setting yourselves up for all kinds of trouble. Why not rather decide by the grace of God, I'm going to live on the high road. I'm going to cultivate every influence in my life that lifts me up. I'm going to watch the things that I read and the places where I go and the kinds of things that I allow into my system. And I'm going to bring those things close to me that will help me to walk on the high road with Almighty God. And begin to strategize your life like that. Begin to understand that there are people and places 
and resources and books and tapes and television ministries and radio ministries and all kinds of things that can fill your life with truth and good. And if you will cultivate your life on the high road, you will have the strength to face temptation when it comes. In his book, Unhappy Secrets of the Christian Life, Tim Stafford tells how the nuclear submarine thresher went too deep in the water and collapsed under the weight of the water. And it was crushed into such tiny bits in the ensuing implosion that they could hardly recognize it as they investigated later. You see, to dive deep, a sub needs thick steel bulkheads to withstand the squeeze of the water. But such precautions are limited because the pressures of the deep are so intense that they crush even the steel. And that's what happened to the thresher. But the interesting thing that they discovered when they were investigating what happened was that in those same deep waters where that steel ship had been crushed, there were actually fish swimming around at the same depth. And you'd think that to survive down there, these fish would have to be monstrosities built like an M1 tank or something. But they were not. In fact, only micrometers of skin cover the finny creatures. And the question is, how can they live at such a depth when a giant steel ship is crushed by the pressure? And Tim Stafford says they have a secret. They have an equal and opposite pressure inside of them to withstand the pressure that is around them. The pressure encountered in deep sea navigation can be like pressure that we feel in temptation. The way to deal with temptation is not to retreat from the world, not to load on bulkheads of steel and hide in the dark, terrified pressures that are outside. We have to have an equal and opposite pressure inside of us to withstand the pressure that is outside of us. That's why the word of God says, even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. What is the best thing you can do to be victorious over temptation? Build the inward man. Build the man who lives within you, who is Christ Jesus, the hope in your heart. Cultivate the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Read the Word of God. Be strong as a Christian so that the pressure within you can withstand the pressure that is outside of you. Because if you walk into the world and you have not built any inward pressure through your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you run the terrible risk of being crushed and destroyed through temptation. I have a passage of Scripture I want to leave with you. In fact, this is from the Amplified New Testament. I have strength for all things in Christ who overpowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses strength into me. Let's try it once more. I have strength for all things in Christ who overpowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. The Lord Jesus Christ is our inner pressure, isn't he? He's the one that enables us to go through the pressures of the world with all the temptations and still be victorious in his name. Amen. Amen. 
What a wonderful uh, discovery are these verses in the Bible that deal with temptation. You have uh, some wonderful keys to victory now at your disposal. And I'm so glad you listened today. Well, you can get the whole book of these uh, wonderful discoveries. It's called Slaying the Giants in Your Life. It's a 200-page book published by Thomas Nelson. It is yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point today. And uh, throughout the month, we've been also telling you that our Alaska cruise uh, will be July 15th through the 22nd. And joining us for that week will be uh, football uh, analysts James Brown and Tony Dungy from CBS. Two guys who really love football and know it well uh, and also know and love the Lord and are not ashamed of their testimony. We're going to have a great time with them. My son, Daniel, who works for the NFL Network, is going to interview them one night, probably even have some questions and answers uh, on that night, that special night, and we hope you'll come and be with us. Guys, this is a great opportunity. Um, Maybe go ahead and work on it and surprise your wife. Tell her you're taking her on a cruise. She can find out about the football later, all right? (laughs) I'm just joking. We'll have a good time, and God bless you all. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow right here on this good station. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. How are you being encouraged by this ministry? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, and learn how to banish the giants from the promised land of your life. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue slaying the giants in your life on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. I once read that potatoes were outlawed in Scotland in 1728 because they are not mentioned in the Bible. Now that's an example of wrongly interpreting Scripture. Here's a good rule to remember. Everything in the Bible is true, but not all truth is in the Bible. 
A potato is a gift from God, even though it's not mentioned in the Bible. The Bible is not an encyclopedia or a book containing all the world's knowledge. It was given as a record of God's plan of redemption, a guide to our salvation. We can spend a lifetime studying the truth it does contain without debating the truth it doesn't. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's truth on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.